Okay, if you have your Bible, if you'll turn to John chapter 17 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, the ushers are coming now, and we have plenty of extra Bibles. Just raise your hand. If you don't have one, we really want you to take a Bible. Start reading the Bible. If you're not in the habit of reading the Bible, it'll absolutely change your life. So just raise your hand if you need a Bible. We're studying through the Gospel of John. You can go back and listen to the messages if you would like to get caught up, but Right now, we're in a whole chapter that's a prayer of Jesus. <clears throat> and I mentioned last week that this prayer of Jesus has two parts. He prays for himself, and then he prays for his followers, us. Last week, we saw what he prayed for himself. He prayed that the Father would glorify him. This morning, we're going to turn from his single petition for himself to his several petitions for us. Now, I want to overview them, but we're only going to do one today. Jesus is going to pray for our protection. He's going to pray for our preservation, for our purification, and for our perfecting of love and unity. This morning, we're going to learn two things. One, it's so comforting to know that this is what Jesus prays for me, what he did pray and what he's still praying. But out of that, then I'm going to learn if that's what he's praying, this is what I should be praying. So specifically, we're going to talk about protection. But interestingly, in verses 6 through 11a, before Jesus actually gives his request, in verse 11, when he says, Lord, keep them, he gives a series of reasons why he prays for us. And I want you to think about this. When you're praying to God about something, I read several years ago in a book by Tim Keller on prayer, a quote from J.I. Packer. He said, when you're asking God for something, Tell him why you're asking. Tell him why you're asking him to do this. It's a great exercise but because it, it'll force you to think in your heart, why am I praying for that new house? Why am I praying for that car? Might be a good motive, it might not. Is this for the glory of God? So God touched my heart as I was thinking about that because I prayed for four years, night and day, that my daughter and my son-in-law and my grandkids would move close to us from, from Arizona, now they're four houses away. But I constantly prayed, Lord, so that I could pour into them, so that me and my wife could disciple. The Old Testament talks about grandchildren's investment in their children and grandchildren. And that's not a promise. Hey, Pastor, what's that prayer? I want my grandkids next door. Somebody said they'll, you'll probably be praying for them to go back, and I'm not going to pray that. But I'm so thankful for that. So as we're praying, right, look at the reasons that he's about to pray for us, but Jesus gives several reasons why. All right, so let's start with prayer and then we'll look at verse six. Lord, I pray that your spirit will open our eyes and teach us so that we are touched and changed by the power of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, the first reason why Jesus is gonna pray for us is because of our election, because God chose us. Look at verse six. Jesus says, Father, I manifested your name to the men you gave me out of the world. Now, that's, that's pretty neat. He didn't just say, I manifested your name to um, whoever came to me. He said, to the men you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but five times in this chapter alone, Jesus says, Father, these are the ones you gave me. We're not Christians because we're smarter than the other bears. We're Christians because God chose us. In John 6, Jesus said, 
all whom the Father has given me, they will come to me. And when they come to me, I won't cast them out. So Jesus is saying, Lord, I want you to protect them because of their election. Secondly, the balance is the human responsibility. He says, Father, I want you to do this because of their reception of me and my message. When I came and I preached to the masses, they responded, they believed, they received my word. Notice in verse 6, he says, Father, you gave them to me, but then he says, and they have kept your word. Now you might say, Jesus, can we talk? They kept your word? You just said in chapter 16, they're going to deny you. They're all going to scatter. What do you mean they kept your word? To keep the word of God doesn't mean you do it perfectly, doesn't mean you do it constantly, but there's a heart inclination that says, I believe this and I want to follow Jesus. And they had done that, even though their faith was weak. But notice the other terms that he uses to describe their personal reception of God's word. Now they have come to know, Father, that everything you gave me is from you. For the words which you gave me, I have given it to them. Now notice, and they receive them. Look up here for a moment. I'm giving you the word of Jesus. And you have a choice to make. Will you receive these words as though they are from God himself? Will you embrace the words of Jesus as your own and with all your heart believe that they are the truth? And will you begin to follow them? If you don't do that, you will spend eternity lost in the lake of fire. And God is not willing that any should perish. But we're not all children of God. The Bible says as many as receive Christ, to them he gives the right to be children of God. So God wants you to be a forgiven follower. And it starts when you receive the word of the gospel by faith. Have you done that? I sat with one of my neighbors the other day, dying of cancer. I said to him, listen, if God were to ask you, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? He said, listen, I'm an engineer, and I believe you have to lay a good foundation. And he said, and I've laid a good foundation. I've tried my best to do good works. And I said, well, I'm like a lawyer, and I happen to know the judge that you're going to stand before, and I want to encourage you to change your plea. Because... What you just said to God is, it doesn't matter that Jesus died on the cross because I've laid a good foundation. I said, why did Jesus die on the cross then? He said, well, I know the right answer. I said, what's the answer? He said, he died to take away the burden of our sins. Well, what does that mean? He died to pay the penalty for my sins. I deserve to go to hell. When Christ hung up on the cross, God punished him instead of me. And Jesus said, it is finished. He paid it all. He didn't say, I'll split it with you. I'll do purgatory. You do purgatory. He died completely to satisfy God's wrath. And the offer of forgiveness comes as by faith we receive that. You say, well, why are you telling me about your neighbor dying of cancer? Because you need to do that. Because if in any way you think that you're going to get to heaven because you're good enough, you need to change your plea. You need to repent. And maybe you're like, ah, well, you know, I don't know if I believe that stuff. Well, you better believe that stuff. Jesus says, blessed are they that don't see and believe. Will you put your trust in Christ and say, Lord, 
Thank you for dying for me. And I will choose to believe you and follow you. Forgive me and pray that this man, he said, you gave me a lot to think about. And I did, the truth of the gospel. So Jesus says, I'm praying for them because of their reception of the word. The third reason he prays for them is because of their new position in the world. Look at verse 9. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world. And you're like, wait, they're in the world, but they have a new position now. They're in the world, but they're not going to be of the world. He says, I ask that of those who you have given me, for they're yours. And all things that are mine are yours. And yours are mine. And I've been glorified in them. But now I'm no more in the world. Look at verse 11. Yet they themselves are in the world. I come to you, Holy Father, so keep them. Jesus, why are you praying for them? Because his new position is he's going to return to glory and they're going to be left in this world. You say, well, what does that mean to be left in the world? Well, the Bible says that the world is an evil system. We live in a hostile world. The world is in rebellion. There's a civil war taking place in the universe against God. And most of the world is hostile to God. Most of the world is against God. Now, you might not see it on the surface because you're like, I know lots of religious people. To be religious without Christ, to not do it God's way is to be a rebel because you're burger kinging it. I'll be religious, but my way. I'll come up with my own form of worship and religion. And so God says, look, I'm not going to take you out of the world, but Father, I'm going to leave them in this world. And the world is headed by Satan, and it's hostile. And it influences us, because the people around us don't care about God. And the people around us aren't following God. And so the Bible says, don't love this world. Don't be, be engulfed with the things of this world. The world is passing away. If you love the world, you don't have the love of God in you. And so Jesus leaves us in this world, and I have to recognize that, that I'm in a system that's in opposition to God. And the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world. Keep yourself unstained by the world. And so Jesus is going, Lord, this is why I'm praying for them. Now, what he specifically asks for is protection. Protection. Look what he says, Father, in verse 11. Keep them. Keep them. What does that mean? Keep them, Father, in your name which you have given me. Now, later he'll pray again for unity, so we're not going to touch on this but that they may be one even as we are. He said, Father, I was, while I was with them, I was keeping them. You, keeping them from what? Keeping them where? Keeping them from evil and the evil one so that they did not turn away. Look what he says. I kept them. I guarded them. Verse 12. Not one of them perished except for the son of perdition that scripture might be fulfilled. That's Judas. But now, Father, I'm coming to you and these things I speak while I'm in this world so that they Christians may have joy made full in themselves. Prayer for protection from Satan will lead to our joy. I've given them your word, Father, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. But, Father, I don't ask you to take them out of the world but to keep them from the evil one. 
Now you might say, Tom, this is nice to read about Jesus and his prayer for his disciples, but what about me? Look at verse 20. I don't ask in behalf of these alone, Father, as he looks at the 12 or the 11, but for those who believe in me through their word. Who's that? Us. So this is a direct prayer that Jesus prayed and continues to pray for us believers. And what is he praying specifically? Look at verse 15. This is really important. Keep them from the evil one. Now that word in the original language can be translated simply this way. Keep them from evil. Okay? Or it could be translated keep them from the evil one. Same word, same structure. It's just a matter of context. Now in Matthew chapter 6, when the Lord taught us how to pray, he said, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. Same word, okay? So what I want to suggest that you and I need to learn how to do, and thank God that Jesus is doing, is to pray to be protected from evil in two ways, okay? You and I need to massage this into our souls until we pray this regularly. First of all, prayer for protection from evil itself and then prayer specifically for protection from the evil one, which is Satan. So let's talk about prayer from evil itself. When the Lord says, keep them, okay, the first thing you and I can learn how to do is pray for protection from evil people. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 3, Paul said, pray that the Lord will deliver us from evil men because not all have faith. Now, specifically there, he meant from people who will harm them because they're Christians. And you and I might not always have this on our radar, but right now, there are thousands, hundreds of thousands of Christians whose lives are in danger, who are in jail, who are being beaten, who are being persecuted, and they're saying, God, keep us, protect us, preserve us from evil men. Help us not to abandon our faith out of the fear of men. But another very practical thing, I started praying this for my girls when they were little. According to Dobson and many studies, in America right now, six out of ten girls will be abused in some way. I'm going to assume that a number of you have been abused, and if you haven't, if you've never gotten help, the church is a hospital. Don't keep that secret and die from that and, and bear that pain. But I would pray, Lord, keep my kids from evil men. So we can pray for physical protection from evil men. But I want you to think about how important it is to pray that the Lord will deliver us from evil itself, from sin. Sin is a mystery. The Bible says, great is the mystery of lawlessness, which is already at work in this world. When Satan rebelled against God as this beautiful angel who decided he wanted to be God, the mystery of sin and rebellion against God began in this world. And when Adam and Eve sinned, they brought it in a new way into humanity. And so we're infected with this curse of Adam's original corruption through sin. And so we live in a world of sinners. We're sinners. And Jesus came not just to forgive us from our sins, but to free us from our sins so that we would progressively learn how to turn away from evil and to be cleansed in our spirit, soul, mind, and body. You and I can pray for that. 
pray that God will help you and me to turn away from evil. He never promises that we won't be tempted in any way, but he promises to give strength so that we don't choose evil. And each day, you and I are tempted to choose evil. And it's not just to have an affair. It can be pride, bitterness, laziness, idols that take the place of God. So pray for our church that the Lord will continue to work within us. Oh, God, help us to turn away from evil. Help us to grow in grace, to resist temptation, and to grow more and more like Christ. So pray that God will sanctify us, that he will free us and protect us from evil. But secondly, Jesus also wants us to pray that God will protect us from the evil one. Now, in Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You're like, well, did he mean the evil one there? Could have. It could be translated that way in Matthew 6, deliver us from the evil one. Could be just, Lord, deliver me from evil. Well, how often should we pray that? Hmm. Give us this day our... You say, well, I, I don't really think about this very much. That's the point. We need to think about it daily, right? You're like, well, you know, I'm not really struggling with evil. Listen, we're way beyond where we normally think we are. I know a guy one time, he said, Lord Jesus, he said, I promise I will die for you. I promise, if everybody else forsakes you, I promise you, Lord, I'll die for you. You know him too. His name was Peter. Now, did he mean that? He sure did. Was his spirit willing? As willing as they come. But Jesus looked him in the eye. He said, Pete, I know your spirit is willing. But here's a problem, Pete. Your flesh is weak. And so Satan has desired permission to sift you like wheat. He wants to put a beat down on you. So here's my advice. You better get to praying. You'd better learn how to watch and pray. You're no match for the evil one. Peter decided, let me sleep on that. And that didn't go too well, did it? In fact, the Bible says he went out after denying Christ and he wept bitterly. Was he forgiven? Of course he was. Did Jesus restore him? Of course he did. But he probably spent the rest of his life wincing at times when he thought about that. So, point well taken. We need to pray regularly, Lord Jesus, keep me from the evil one. Let's step back and think of the bigger picture. Satan knows he's going to hell, and all of his demons who are prowling about, he's dragging people with him into hell. He knows he's headed there. He's got no hope. He'll, he'll never repent. He blinds unbelievers to the gospel. He resists God. He resists, he accuses us, but he attacks Christians. That's what he does. Geico sells insurance. Satan attacks Christians. He prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And to be devoured by Satan doesn't mean he can't take our salvation. The Bible says we are of God. The whole world lies in the part of the evil one. The evil one cannot touch us. He can't take your soul. 
but he can sure mess you and me up big time. He can hogtie us. He can bring us to a place of groaning and misery. And part of it is because we don't pray and watch and think about the spiritual battle that we're in. This is very practical. Peter's, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2, you guys need to forgive this brother in your church so that Satan does not take advantage through his schemes. We're not ignorant of his schemes. So Paul's being very practical. He's gone, I know how Satan works. And bitterness is one of his methods. He can really mess a Christian up when, when you and I keep bitterness against someone. In fact, in Ephesians 4.29, Paul said this, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give Satan a place. So praying against the evil one is, Lord, help me not to fall to his schemes. Protect me from him. I'm too weak, Lord. He's too clever. I need you to work in my life so that I'm careful. Because left to myself, I'm weak and foolish. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul said, if you're married, he said, fulfill your spouse physically. Don't continue to deprive them, lest Satan tempt you for your lack of self-control. So as we read the scriptures, we realize, wow, Satan's always prowling about, trying to get Christians messed up, trying to lie to us, deceive us, bring us into bondage and oppression and cause us to do stupid things that could have been avoided if we spent time on our knees beforehand instead of just going, we got this, we got this. We're going, Lord, help me, keep me, protect me. The Bible teaches that Satan can even put thoughts in our minds. He doesn't send you an email, ding, you've got mail. This is from Satan. He's far more subtle. When, when Peter said to Jesus, you are not going to die, I forbid that, I rebuke you, and Jesus goes, get behind me, Satan. Peter had no idea that Satan had put this, this oppositional thought against God into his mind and heart. And so it's not like you have to go around going, Satan's putting stuff, but think about what you think about. You can't prevent a bird from flying over your head, but you can prevent him from making a nest. So be in prayer, Lord, help me to think about Satan's schemes. He's so clever. He's an accuser. He's a liar. For some of you, he's telling you, you're not a Christian. If you were a Christian, you would never have those thoughts. If you were a Christian, you would be happy all the time like everyone else is, right? If you were a Christian, you wouldn't be struggling like this, so just give up. Satan is subtle and powerful and clever, and he gets what Paul called strongholds in the hearts and minds of Christians. And, and we see this happen sometimes in our kids when they begin to believe one of Satan's lies and we're like, I need to give them another book. I need to talk them out of this. I beg them. The Corinthians began to believe some of Satan's lies and to fall into sin and to turn away from the authority of the Apostle Paul. And Paul said, the weapons of our warfare, they're not from the flesh, but they're mighty through God for tearing down these strongholds. Paul knew that the battle for our children's hearts and minds and for our loved ones is not through our clever ideas, it's through prayer and the power of God to free people's minds 
so that they come to their senses, as Paul said, and they escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. So I want to remind you of your history as a Christian. If you're a born-again believer, something wonderful happened the day you were saved. The Bible says God transferred you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. You've changed allegiance, but you haven't changed locations. You're still in this world. When I'm preaching the gospel and I'm, I'm sharing Christ with others, right now there's a raging battle going on for souls. And Paul told, the Lord Jesus said to Paul in Acts 26, I want you to go and I want you to turn men from the power of darkness to the power of light. Turn them from the power of Satan to the power of God. And so beyond just saying, wow, someone got saved, they got rescued. If you're a Christian, Jesus came in like a Navy SEAL and rescued your soul. And the Bible tells us that we should constantly overflow with thanksgiving to him who transferred us into the kingdom of his son. But now as a forgiven, blood-bought follower who's been freed from Satan, Satan's not going to pat you on the back and say, hey, I'm proud of you, man. I'm sorry to lose you. Good luck. I hope you can win a lot of souls to Christ and take away more of my prisoners. Don't worry about bashing down some of my gates of hell. I don't care anyway. Satan hates when people get saved. And he hates when Christians are free from Satan and sin and they're and they're growing in love and freedom. He hates that because living water is flowing out and the church is prevailing and the gospel is triumphing. And Humpty Dumpty couldn't do it, but Jesus is putting people back together again. And some of you have addictions and marriage problems and sexual perversions and all manner of problems. And you're like, how does he know? Because that's what the Bible says. And that's what I know about my own heart. And we say the Bible's teaches us that we're a hospital here and some of you are coming out of darkness and you're finding freedom and forgiveness like many of us have. We're no better than you. But many of you are in a raging battle and some of you have made poor decisions and as a result of your poor decisions as a Christian, Satan has really gotten his foot in the door in your mind and heart and you can't seem to figure how to get out of it and you don't have a good outlook. But I can tell you there's a good uplook because Ephesians chapter 6 says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. For we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and demons, the rulers of the darkness of this world force. But we have Christ and we have the spirit. And I've been asking God, set our people free. Set our hearts free. And for some of you, you have to wrestle with this. Do you want to be free? Or do you want to keep a foot in the world? But I, but I kind of like this, even though I don't like it. I like being mad at them, even though I don't want to be bitter. I like having a girl on the side, even though I know that's wrong. I like to drink too much. I, I don't want to be all out. So part of the reason that we fall is we don't fear, and we haven't prayed, and we haven't watched. So please, I'll start with myself. Even if you won't pray for your own soul, pray for mine. Pray for our pastors. You and I hear all the time of churches where the pastors are falling. What is going on, right? Are any of us immune to that? No. The Apostle Paul said, brethren, pray for us. Pray for my marriage. Pray for my kids. Pray for all of our elders and leaders. 
but then transfer that and pray for your children like Job used to rise and pray lest his children sin. But remember what the devil said to God about Job? He said, man, I can't get near him. You put a hedge of thorns around him. I'm like, God, put two hedges around me. I'm stupider than Job. I need two hedges. Ask God on a regular basis, oh, Lord, keep me. Incline my heart towards you and not towards sin. Turn away my eyes from wickedness. Don't let Satan get a foot in the door. Some of you right now, as sure as I'm talking to you, know that the devil has gotten a foot in your door. And how's that been going? And you know why. And I'm telling you from the words of Jesus what to do. Cry out to Christ. Lord, free me. For some of you, you need to make that original decision. It's time to surrender your life to Christ. It's time for you to say, Lord, I have decided I don't want to be in this world anymore. I want to be forgiven. I'm, you know, I don't care if you grew up in this church. That doesn't mean you're a follower. You have to make that decision in your heart. And then some of you are like, man, I'm all spider webbed up by the devil. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, I'll set you free. And so pray for our church that that we will navigate this journey that we're on in our marriages, in our secret lives, in our minds and hearts, and that God will keep us as a church and that none of us will be lost. Listen, don't think that it's not possible for anyone to turn away. The Bible says, be careful lest there be in any one of us an evil and unbelieving heart and falling away from the living God. And Satan has been working in some of your minds. I know this is what he does. And some of you are going, I don't know if I believe this stuff. Today, say, Lord Jesus, drive away those doubts. I'll flee right to you. I'll cling to the cross. And as Christians, get out your old hymn book. You remember what that is? used to be this book, Never Have Repeat 10X. Had different lines everywhere. And one of them was called, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And Martin Luther said, and though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, the body they may kill. You say, Pastor, what's that have to do with the devil? Right now there are people being told, if you don't deny Christ, I'll kill you. Revelation 12, 10 says, they overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they loved not their lives unto death. We're in a battle which we need prayer. And I say this with all my heart. Pray. Pray against evil. Pray for protection from the evil one. Pray that Christ will set your heart free. Pray that Christ will set your children free, your spouse free, this church free. And then as we go forth in the power of the Spirit, the gates of hell will not prevail. And more and more, we're going to see people coming to Christ. Some of you who have been doubting and struggling, snatched from the fire, strong in the Lord. Some of you going to the next level and saying, I'm giving my life to the ministry of the gospel. Lord, take me wherever you want me. Lord, raise up many laborers for the harvest, for the harvest is plenteous and the laborers are few. I thank God for delivering me from Satan. Do you? Are you grateful that he's freed you from the devil? 
Yeah, he didn't, he's not going to take the devil away. But I thank God that at the right hand of God, Jesus says, Father, keep Tom. Tomorrow morning when he wakes up, continue to draw him to you. You began a good work in him, and you will perform it till the day of Christ. And that's what he's praying for you as well. So let's learn from this and praise God for our great Savior who prays for us. Amen? Father, your word is alive, it's powerful, and it's extremely helpful. And 1 John says, as the word of God abides in us, we become strong and we overcome the evil one. And Lord, I will be the first one to say that I'm no match for the devil. He's way too strong, way too clever. But as a church, we fall to our knees of our souls and pray for you to keep us. Thank you for rescuing us from this world, for rescuing us from sin and guilt and shame, for transferring us into the kingdom of your dear son. But now, Lord Jesus, thank you that you pray to keep us. Would you ask the Lord right now, if you're not a Christian, to, to save your soul? Say, Lord, I, I want to be saved. I want to receive you, and I want to believe you. If you pray that all the time, you don't need to keep praying to be saved. Believe it. We'd love to talk to you. And if Satan has gotten a stronghold in your life, renounce that by faith today. Surrender to the Lord and ask him to heal. Ask him to free you. Lord, protect our church. Protect me and my family. Protect all of us, Lord, from the smallest and least to, to the leaders, everyone, Lord, who's a part of this fellowship. And thank you that when we go home today, we're not just delivered, but we're your messengers to proclaim liberty to the captives, to set the prisoners free. Send us out in the power of the Spirit and guard our hearts from sin and Satan. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. If you, if you want prayer, ask someone around you, hey, would you pray for me? Or I'll be here, a number of our elders, anything we can help you with. Have a great day.